Tennessee Titans talk, fellas, training camp. Here we are. The dog days of summer are over. I saw a post a couple of hours ago and it said tip-off game is three weeks away and just blew my mind that through everything that's happened in the past couple months, we're going to have NFL football in less than a month. I'm glad you mentioned that because it does seem like, John, at least it's going to start. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that six weeks ago, but... I think with basketball in the bubble and baseball kind of just playing through their their lumps, uh, I, I think we're going to see the season, the start of it anyways, right? Yeah, I totally think so. It's a little weird by this point. We've already had two two preseason games, maybe even a third, and it's just weird to not have any of that. Or they've had training camp open to the public, and we've, able, we've been able to go, and we've been able to you know meet and mingle with these players. And we, we don't get that this year. We get a, a, a very you know secretive preseason, I guess, or a training camp, and it's weird. I, I mean, I... I I hope you guys have figured out your draft analysis for for fantasy because me, I'm still scratching my head on a lot. (laughs) It's going to make fantasy so interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because what about these guys that develop um, during the preseason and training camp? And I know you can't go off that totally, but we want to see how some of these guys look on their new team or some of these rookies look. Uh, Landon, it's going to be a really interesting fantasy football season, not only because we don't know if we're going to get a full season, just like in real life, just like John said, right? I think so. I think you're being kind with interesting, I think frustrating is the most likely outcome given the how we don't know how coronavirus will spread once the season starts because the training bubbles right now are pretty much that, a bubble. No one has tested positive recently over the past couple of weeks, and there's only five players among all the NFL on the COVID list. So things are going well right now, but when they're traveling to different cities, they're flying, they're transporting to the stadium, they're mixing with other people. How will that happen? And with fantasy, injuries are always the most frustrating part, not being able to rely on a guy. If you lose your star just because one of his teammates got sick, that's just going to make you want to throw your head against a wall. Yeah, you know, nobody's ever done this before. So it's going to be really, really weird and really different. And it's going to be something we're not used to, something we've never seen before. Um, So I think it's just so crazy. Like you said, Nathan, the predictability is out the window. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen. And I don't remember a season like that before. Let's talk about our Titans in particular. They are in training camp. And I just think the professionalism of our front office and our coaching staff and our players, it's like, obviously it's different, but just to look at it, it looks like business as usual. Looks like it. Landon, who stands out to you for training camp? And I know fans and media kind of make a punching bag out of people that look good in training camp and preseason. But there's been guys that have looked like they were shot out of a cannon that wound up having big-time seasons or careers. So who jumps out to you? Well, speaking of shot out of a cannon, maybe the fastest play on our team, Khalif Raymond, has. I knew it. I, I think he's developed considerably since last season. Last year, he was pretty much a gadget player where he's on the field. He's either a decoy or we're throwing deep, but he's not going to scare you as an actual receiver. And from what limited film and clips the Titans have released to social media, he looks a lot better and more refined as a route runner. If he can step into that Tajay Sharp role where instead of it, him being lucky to have one or two big plays a game, he's consistently getting three or four, and it's not just gadget or design plays for him, that can really open up the offense and make the offense more insulated against potential injuries or sickness. My guy was going to be Khalif Raymond. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Landon, I'm glad you took it, though. Some of the tapes I've seen of him running his routes are incredible. I think there are going to be big things in store for that kid. With Raymond off the board... I kind of lean towards two, and Nathan, I think I know who you're going to pick, so I'll try not to pick him. The other guy I'll talk about is Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, I think from everything I've seen, 
he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he feels more comfortable with his leg. I really expect some really big things from him this upcoming season and to build off of what we saw already as a great foundation as an NFL pro. Well, he looks like he's ready to ascend. feels better or eventually best players. And we needed him to be that because we took a chance by trading one of our better players all time. I think he's ready for that. He looks like you said, uh, he looks healthier, truly like he's totally okay with doing anything on his on both legs. And so that's, he could really be some problem. Whenever you have a guy that uh, rush a passer legitimately from the middle of the field, it just creates all kinds of problems. Ask everybody, including us who played, you know, Chris Jones and the Kansas City Chiefs down the stretch last year. I really like the idea of Khalif Raymond because I, I like our team. We're a Super Bowl contender. We really are. I have some questions about depth at very important places. Biggest thing is pass rusher. We're not going to win the Super Bowl unless someone emerges or some people emerge as big time pass rusher bigger than we think they're going to be right now. Or maybe we add some. Other than that, I like our receiving in our top three are about as good from a depth perspective as we've ever had. We all have big plans for A.J. Brown, and we all have big dreams for how good he could be, a true number one receiver. And then Humphreys is, if he can stay healthy, this guy's really tough and reliable, and he's more than just that turnaround after seven yards kind of possession guy. The guy's got more strength than Wills, but he's really good. Uh, Corey Davis, the guy is a legitimate NFL receiver. After that, uh, I worry a little bit. So if Khalif Raymond can step up and become like a legitimate go-to NFL guy, not like a gadget guy in the second year of his NFL career, Landon, what sort of player, let's say he goes on and he has a really good NFL career, what player could you comp him to? What what are we looking for? Because we've seen him as what he was last year. What could he become? I think of like a faster Nate Washington who had an excellent career. I yeah. thought of him. I thought of him as we were talking about this, but I also think I'll let Landon take away because I don't want to, you know, speak ahead of him. But, but yeah, I've got an idea of who I think he could be. I think the most positive outlook on Raymond is probably what you guys said—a Nate Washington who was really consistent, and for a guy who was undrafted, who bounced around the the practice squad, who had injuries. That's a pretty admirable result, and then that's a great value for us because he's incredibly inexpensive right now. And let me let me get your thoughts on this. And before you start throwing books at me, I just want to say, what is there a possibility that his ceiling, his ceiling, that his ceiling could be Deshaun Jackson? Wow, I don't know. I don't think he has I, the frame for I, it. I'm talking, I, he's not that fast, is he? Uh, he's pretty. He's pretty darn quick. I think. I think in terms of raw athleticism, they're about the same, but. Peak Deshaun Jackson was just so much more consistent and a better receiver to where he could just threaten a defense on any play, whereas with Raymond, from what we've seen so far, it's it's designed trick plays, gadget plays, whereas with Deshaun Jackson, he just runs deep any play and he can tear the top off of, of a defense. But I th- think Raymond can fit that role of the primary burner and field stretcher, and if that's the kind of guy we got, whereas last year he was barely on the field, that'd be considerable off-season development and a testament to how hard he's been working. My guy is DeAndre Walker, and maybe it's because I'm projecting and I really know that we need a pass rush help, and it's going to take somebody like that kind of coming from nowhere. It's not going to be one guy. You know, if you were a little bit taller, I think he would have a first or second round pick. The guy had good production at Georgia. uh, I don't think we need him to be uh, Michael Strahan. We just need another really good pass rusher. So that's my guy in training camp. That's uh, we're we're all looking at guys to kind of ascend because I, I think this we know who our breadwinners are on this team. We know who our best player is going to be. And barring injury, I think they're going to be consistent. They're going to be there. But all great teams have role players ascend, right? So we're going to need more of that, and we've had some of that for sure.
let's talk about Vic Beasley. Uh, catch us up, Landon, on the timeline. Uh, this guy doesn't come to camp. Nobody knows where he is. He was on the physically unable to perform list. He's back with the team now. First of all, kind of catch us up on the timeline. Second of all, like, what the, what the heck? Like, what can you make of that a, cu- a couple weeks later? So, like you said, when players were supposed to start reporting, he didn't report. He didn't say he was going to opt out. We didn't hear those rumors. He didn't tell the organization why he was out. Then it was revealed that he had a family matter, a funeral that he had to go to. It's out of line from not to have notified Vrabel or J-Rob. The front office didn't seem that upset. They weren't that angry with him. They just said he knows what he did was wrong. He's he's prepared. He's ready to come to the building. Just very unassuming coach speak. And now he's been on the non-football injury reserve list for the past couple of weeks. I have to wonder if that's because he signed shape. They're trying to make sure he's fully healthy before they introduce him to the field and risk injury for maybe the biggest free agent signing of the offseason. And now he's just left us in a terrible predicament because right now our edge rushers are Harold Landry and Kamale Correa with Vic Beasley sidelined. John, he has put us in a squirrely situation. Uh, and I know J- Landon was not a big fan of him to begin with. But, I mean, what, what do you make of all this with Vic Beasley? Yeah, you know, here's kind of my problem. You know, I hate to be the, you know, armchair quarterback or the guy that never played a professional sport to criticize these players. But let's face it, he entered a contract, an employment contract with the Titans to play football and to do everything that is required of him to do so. Um, And he's being paid pretty handsomely to do that. Now, (laughs) if I somehow don't call my employer, don't show up for you know, five days or when I'm expected to be there, guess what? I'm gone. And I don't make, I don't make nine and a half million (laughs) dollars, you know? So Vic Beasley ended up, I think his total fines ended up being $500,000. I think, is that right? Somewhere around that. And, you know, he's going to end up paying those. And John Robinson has already said that those are valid fines, but I don't think it's excusable. I understand you may have a death in the family. You may, you may have COVID who knows what your situation is, but as your employer, you are responsible to notify them if you're not able to show up to work on it you know, within a specific amount of time or when you're sounds like a true, sounds like true words. So they kind of bother HR guy right there, but I totally agree with you. Right. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just this paradigm where we live in different worlds and I don't really like it, but he had a lot of questions around him during his time in Atlanta and, you know, the fan base soured on him and he didn't really set a a great expectation here either. Let's face it. We're, we're, we have two expectations here. He's either going to, underperform and everybody's going to be let down or he is going to work five times as hard to prove his worth and have like a 25 sack season. That's kind of what, what I think the expectations really are. Me personally, I hope he's somewhere in the middle of that. I don't really think he's going to ball out and get a million sacks. I don't think he's going to be a Joey Bosa type. I think, I think if he comes and provides consistent pressure to the quarterback, and gets 10 plus sacks i'd be thrilled but like you like you guys both said he's he put us in a pickle like if we didn't pay him i'm sure we would have paid Clowney. you know i know the whole Clowney thing is kind of anybody's guess right now but let's face it if we don't have vic Vic beasley we don't have Clowney. yeah that's the worrisome about this john we saw another position where we had more depth but i really think all things being equal Pass rush is going to make or break us as a as a Super Bowl contender, and so that's what we need. Oh, this guy sure. absolutely it did. It, it already we, did. We're going to need that uh, as long as everybody else stays healthy and plays to the level they did last year. That's what it's going to come down to, and that's what makes us really worried that we're depending on a guy 
like this. Speaking of other pass rushers, uh, you mentioned Clowney. The latest word is Clowney wants $15 million where he's not going to play. We have that to give him. Uh, is this going to get done? I mean, we have been talking about this for months. I think Clowney hinges on how confident the organization is in Big Beasley being ready for the season because $15 million is a majority of our remaining cap. The cap isn't going to jump. Teams like the Eagles and Saints are going to be way over the cap, and any team that has sizable cap room like we'll have next year if we don't pay Clowney has the opportunity to get really good players for pretty cheap and below average contracts because no one else can afford it. And with Clowney, if it's a one-year deal, you're sacrificing future flexibility and the ability to get cheaper, good players for a guy who's been injured, highly productive against double teams, but not a great pass rusher, an elite run defender. But when you consider that Adoree Jackson and Jayon Brown both need extensions, I wouldn't pay Clowney. I'd let him walk. I'd tell him, sorry, you, you got to renegotiate. And I think we have the leverage because, yes, Fig Beasley is probably going to disappoint, but our defense was still really good last year. Our pass rush is only going to get better, even without Clowney. So we're not in a situation where he's going to force our hand where we're in contention. We don't have a go-to pass rusher since we have Harold Landry, and we have to pay him to maximize our window. Yeah, Lynn, I think you bring up a good point about not paying him. And, you know, I've kind of been pushing for Clowney this whole time. But think about this. Like, if he, let's say he doesn't get his $15 million offer and he doesn't play, right? He's not going to be able to ask for more next year. I don't see his price tag going up after sitting out a year. If we don't sign him, we take care of Jayon Brown. We take care of Adoree Jackson. And then we get him for the same price next year. Or if, if, at least entertain that. I don't know. Nathan, what are your, your thoughts on that? There's a lot that falls down with that. But that, for me... When we get into extensions and money and things like that, I, I think so much happens and so many people get cut or signed. I just think we, we can't have a crystal ball out when it comes to that. I think we spend this money for this year, not for extensions. I, I really do think they've left it so they could be aggressive for, let's say, Vic Beasley doesn't pan out for one of a reason or, or the other, uh, and we know that before training camp is over, and we can't get anything done with this dumb dumb because apparently he doesn't want to take a physical – and let's say they want to get aggressive with Ngakwe, which sounds ridiculous that the Jacksonville Jaguars would trade with Tennessee Titans. But what if they do still want to trade him? What if they want to get value for this guy? The longer it goes on, the more likely it is they would take less value and that they would trade with someone in division. I've been against trading for Ngakwe over this offseason due to his limitations against run defense and how much he'll command. But if we trade a second-round pick for him, we're paying him 20, 21 million, so six more than Clowney, but we have him locked up long term, and we know our run defense will be elite. We have now a number one pass rusher, and Hale Landry only has to be the number two. I think that situation is more favorable in the long term and the short term rather than paying Clowney one year. We saw that run defense only gets you so far, and pass rush is how you win playoff games and eventually win championships. Ngakwe is a far better pass rusher. Clowney against run defense, but just the cost-benefit of Ngakwe well, when you think about it, John, so much better than Clowney. He fits us perfectly in a, in a lot of ways our need, all things being equal. This guy doesn't want to play for them, but I, at some point, it's such a weird season, he may just play. But let's say they just can't come to agreement, there's issues. I know that they've uh, made some changes down there, so maybe they can make him happy. But if not, we're one of the few teams that has that perfect balance of, of cap room and desperation. Because if it goes awry with Beasley, 
we're going to look like a team that's literally one player away. I mean, our window is small, and we're the kind of team, uh, as weird as the season is, if if we see a Super Bowl in February, uh, they're going to think, especially the guys that run this team and put their heart and soul in building this team, I mean, don't you think they push the button if they get that opportunity, potentially? I, I, I do. I think if we get that, I, I think it happens. I, I, I But our organization for the longest time, we don't ever push the button on those guys that are on current teams that are in those, uh, you know, irritable situations where they don't want to play for that team. I mean, that, that's not our kind of culture guy. So that's my problem with him. I mean, he's not content on the Jaguars, you, right. you know, a team that took a chance and drafted him. You know, who's to say he's going to be content when he gets here? Yeah, obviously, I think we're more of a contender than Jacksonville. That is so but true. We typically don't and push I, the button on those I'm, kind of guys. And I'm on board with you. But so Jacksonville got pretty yeah. bad last year. Lane, is there a chance that they think this could be our guy just in a bad situation? Because John makes an excellent point, and I've made it a lot on this show. We don't, we just don't get in with drama. But Ngakwe could be the sane person in that altercation over over the last season. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think with Ngakwe, his character is more about the Jaguars' organizational failure than indictment on his own character. Whereas the situation pushed him to be that way. He's not naturally that kind of person. He wants to get paid. He was a third-round pick. He's produced at a high level, and obviously they couldn't come to an agreement on a long-term deal. And we saw when the, when he wasn't on a dysfunctional team that one year of Saxonville, he was Pro Bowl caliber. He was one of the best at forcing fumbles off the edge. You saw that even though he's not a good run defender, it doesn't matter when the rest of your defensive front seven is good at that, where you can just maximize his pass rushing talents. The only issue I see with us getting in Gakwe is that we're in division. And historically, trades of good players like Ngakwe in division just have never really happened. Yeah, and I think that that's an added hurdle, and I'm glad you brought that up because rarely do I ever see these right. And I don't trades. think we're likely to. But the um, longer this goes on, you know, I it, think it's there just is a chance. There is, you know, right now I'm just looking at NFL.com, and it looks like the headline is that the Raiders are the ones interested. Now, obviously, depends on who reports right. it, and you see the Raiders are interested in everybody from Tom Brady. They could, to, but they would be to, a fit to, to jump all over them. Anybody would be. Uh, so, and and their draft pick they, is they likely would. to be better than ours, but. Something happens if they don't. I think eventually depends on things we don't know internally. What kind of relationship Ngakwe has with uh, who's currently running the team? Uh, this week, yeah. a lot has been made about a seventh-round pick that has been cut pretty early in training camp. Guys, if he wasn't a quarterback, that wouldn't be as big of a deal. But Cole McDonald just obviously just didn't look the part. He was a developmental guy, anyways. I I remember when he when we drafted him, I, I thought that he should play receiver. The guy's a really good athlete. There's been some criticism about them drafting him. Uh, we don't get mad at Mike Trout when he uh, goes through for four, right? I mean, we have built talent through the draft. We have not got them all right, but we have increased the talent of this team in four years. So, for me, it's, it's Mike a bit Trout of a non-starter because I like them taking those risks. And even better, because of pride or pressure of job, they don't feel like they have to keep this guy around to save face. Right, John? Yeah, I mean, it's your ultimate low-risk, high-reward strategy. Like, I was ex- I'll tell you that I was one of the first people that got excited about him I, when we were doing our pre-draft podcast. He was one guy that I I talked about as a possibility for us in the later rounds, and I'm glad that we took that chance. Unfortunately, nobody can predict that he looked like a hot dumpster fire in training camp, throwing picks to everybody, not including himself. I mean, it, it it's just one of those things that doesn't work out, and unfortunately for him, 
we didn't have preseason games for him. Yeah, it is. And he's a tough kid. And I think he's one of these guys that would have been on the bubble and he might have even beat out Logan Woodside in a preseason game. And that's where he would have made his money or he would have made an NFL roster that way. And it sucks for him that we have this compressed schedule and a different schedule that he doesn't get that opportunity. And I think you know, of course, this gets into another paradigm here. But if the NFL had a developmental league, I think he'd be like the perfect candidate for that type of a thing. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I was excited about him when we drafted him. You know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. It's a seventh round draft pick of a quarterback. And I don't blame John Robinson for bringing in a veteran, regardless of what you may think about that guy uh, in Simeon. But, uh, you know, it's it's a business business transaction Simeon makes um, a lot of sense it's, to me. it's nothing uh, more nothing less and uh he has played in nfl games before i would have been a little worried about logan woodside honestly there's some potential there but i don't want the titans uh 2020 season to be when he breaks in and, and gets some nfl experience i i'd like logan woodside maybe five years later which is basically what trevor Simeon is now and one thing to note with cole mcdonald he hasn't cleared waivers yet but if he does i would 100 expect him on the practice squad where he'll get time to develop and he won't be on the active roster, they're going to tell him, hey, work on your mechanics, work on the finer points of your mechanics, and you'll come back next year and we'll give you another chance. Because that's what they saw. They didn't draft him and expect him to rework his entire throwing mechanics in one shortened offseason to make the roster. This is this was a smart gamble in the seventh round at a long-term deal. I thought he could even make the roster as a Taysom Hill type where he takes Mario to snaps on those tricky plays we ran at the end of the season, or he's in there specifically designed like Taysom Hill is used. And obviously that didn't happen this off season, but I would expect him to be back in the news for the times in the next couple days. Yeah, totally. And one that's very, very much lost in the current realm that we're in. Cause everybody's focused on, you know, what your final roster is going to look like. Nobody's really think, well, at least, the common public is not thinking about what your practice squad is going to look like. And that's what's going to separate um, championship caliber teams. Let's say all of college football was canceled and all of the coaches were just basically free agents for one season. What college coach would you, if you had your pick, would join the Titans as, you know, like a consultant, quasi coordinator, quarterbacks coach, just whatever we wanted to do. We could get that guy. Um, and you had your pick. What what coach would that be? Let's start with you, Landon. Well, I've got two in. I really want to pick this one guy because he's the biggest name in regards to making the jump to the NFL. But with Arthur Smith staying at offensive coordinator, Mike Vrabel taking over defensive responsibilities, I think the defensive side is a bit more unknown. And so I would take Brett Venables out of Clemson, their defensive coordinator. Now, Clemson is unbelievably stacked whereas they're, they're always at a talent advantage over everyone but when they play Alabama. But he's consistently produced first-round picks and highly productive players, and he, his scheme has always fit around players. He's versatile, and I think just as a defensive mind, he would be a great addition to help with Mike Vrabel because Vrabel, it's been a few seasons since he took a really hands-on approach to the defensive side. I bet your side. next one is uh, Lincoln Riley, right? Yeah, I was going to say that just to – yeah. maximize our offense and see just how far we can push things. Right. But defensive side, yeah, I, have a I would bit like to bring in a guy that Arthur I think Smith, would bring I'm in something in different now. and kind of consult and be like, hey, have we thought about doing this or that? So um, Venable would be just like a good defensive coordinator, and he's a good pick there. But Lincoln Riley would be good because I'd like 
Arthur Smith is still our coordinator. This guy is like our quarterback's coach. This guy is just breaking down tape for us and, and showing the players and coaches kind of what he sees. But Lincoln Riley would be a good one. For me, this is a, a hypothetical world, but I would love to see Nick Saban as a defensive consultant. I would love to see him working with our defensive backs, which is a kind of a strength of our team. This guy, that's how he broke in, you know, under Parcells in the NFL, coaching defensive backs. And this guy has studied so much over the years. They'll win a national championship. He'll spend all summer bringing people in or visiting. And this guy has a really open mind, so I bet he's learned so much. I, and you talk about the, the defensive side of the ball just – with uh, Dean P stepping down, you you wonder if there's a bit of a like a vacuum of 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 ideas or leadership there. Although Vrabel, I think it's gonna it's gonna find the right leadership and be the right leadership. But how crazy, John, would it to be to have Nick Saban with a lot of former players just kind of in and just mm. kind of studying the heck out of the tape for the next week's opponent? <laughs> Well, I'm not convinced he wouldn't just try to keep giving A.J. Brown a hard time for, you know, games against Alabama. But uh, I think it'd be incredible because he's obviously one of the best football football minds in the game. He, he, I'm, I'm glad you said him because he kind of goes with the theme of where I'm thinking. And I think whenever you're looking for somebody like this, you want somebody who's been in the NFL already, right? You know, they know what to expect. He's, he's coached with the Dolphins. He knows what it's like to be a coach in the NFL. It's hard to really pick a better better fit than that. But he wasn't going to be my pick. I've got two guys in mind, and I'm going to throw them both at you, and they kind of go with that same theme. My first would be Herm Edwards. You know, he's now the head coach at Arizona State. I've always loved the way he, you know, just the per- just the coach and the person that he is when he would be, when he, when he was an analyst, uh, you know. You know, on characters NFL, to ever be in the and NFL. And he would yeah. always, oh, he's incredible. When he would always talk, yeah. Right, and he would talk about these players and you know how they conduct themselves off the field. Just the way he would co- he would go about that opportunity. I think it's everything you're kind of looking for in this type of candidate. The other one I'd pick is uh, Jim Harbaugh. Now I don't really like Jim Harbaugh all that much. He is a coach that's been to a Super Bowl. He knows what it takes, and he he can kind of fill in those those holes that we might be missing and kind of bring up that intensity. We all know he's a really intense guy and, you know, I'm sure he'd be wearing khakis in this 110 degree heat or really whatever. Um, but I think guys, he'd be another um, interesting fit. Like one, you could see coming in to an already established staff and not stepping on any toes. And then another guy you can't, but Harbaugh, because he's a bit prickly, people underestimate the job he did to get that 49ers team to a Super Bowl. I mean, the guy deserves a lot of credit for that. And oh, yeah. in his days at Michigan, are over, uh, he's going to have several opportunities in the NFL. Guys, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, great to be back with everybody. Follow us wherever you listen to us. Uh, share us with a friend. We're getting excited to be back with you more now that hitting's underway. We'll see you very soon. Until then, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.